Hi everyone, Paul from The Barbecue Guy. I'm here today with one of my customers, Matt, who's been following me on Facebook and on Instagram and has just had some questions for me. And uh, I'd like to introduce him now. Hi Matt, how are you going, bud? Good, thanks Paul, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Um, we've been talking over the last 24 hours, 48 hours, about uh, your, your brisket cook that you're doing today. And um, you, you had some really good questions and I just thought, these are questions I get asked a lot and I just thought I'd share the answer with everybody. Um, we might just go through some of those questions. Um, do you want to ask, ask them again, mate? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, first, the first one um, was a little bit about the prep. So I've watched, you know, a fair few of your videos and um, uh, the first, the first prepping thing was, um, you know, and this is another thing that a lot of people have their own opinions of or whatever is, um, is the preparation and the trimming. Um, so what I've pretty much done for this one is just followed one of your brisket videos that I've seen. Um, and I've taken the hard fat off the fat side and left a lot of, you know, most of the fat that's all nice and soft in there. Um, I've trimmed most of the fat off the other side, the non-fat side. So it's pretty lean. I've left a little bit of fat on bits and pieces that are a bit sort of hard to get to, but it's, it's pretty clean. Um, and the part that I was and this was something I think you were talking about in one of your videos was the part between the flat and the point where you find quite a bit of fat in between those two muscles. Um, and I suppose how far do you dig in and how much of that fat do you take out? Cause I got to a point where I thought, um, if I take too much out, I'm going to reach out the side of this brisket in a minute. So, um, mm. you know, I had to make a decision where to stop there. So maybe to elaborate a little bit more on that, cutting that fat out of that middle, yeah, so that that's a really good question because last week I had the scenario where I was doing a class and I knew that I wanted to separate the point and the flat to, to make burn ends to show people how to cook burn ends. And I'm there and I'm digging away and I'm digging away and I, I'm digging, <laughs> I was literally digging a bigger hole for myself and it, um, it did affect it a little bit. Um, so the, the short answer is it depends on what you're going to do with the brisket. If you were going to separate the points in the flat and do burnt ends, or if you're going to just slice the whole lot, there's two completely different methods that I use. Um, the first method is, is I just leave it level with the rest of it. Um, the next of it is if you are separating it, I will take a bit of that out because that then acts as a guide for for running down, running the knife in between the point and the flat. Um, and that sort of gets into more technical ways of doing things if you are going to separate the point and the flat. And for a beginner, for your first brisket, I wouldn't recommend separating it because, you know what, getting slice out of the point and the flat um, and even with them overlapping, you are going to really enjoy the brisket a lot more. Uh, and you're going to be able to really tell the difference between the two, the two muscles that are joined together with that fat layer that you're talking about. Yeah, great. Well, that's what I was, um, I was tossing up how much to take out. I did take a fair bit out of it just because I just sort of, but I, but I got to a point where I stopped. So you know, there's still a fair bit in there, but, um, I, um, you know, you kind of got to make that call. So I guess we'll see how it turns out, but that's a, that's some good information. Yeah. Um, the, the reason 
just want to touch base on on the the first part you said about the trimming. So you, when you when you're selecting a brisket, it's it's really hard to select a brisket through cryovac, and the only way that you can really do it is is the the key factors you look forward you look for. Uh, the first thing is is that the flat isn't too thin. So there's a, a certain amount of evenness between the point and the flat. So ideally you don't want a, a really thick point at sort of a hundred mil thick and then a flat at sort of 10 mil thick. You want something that is quite even all the way across and you will find that if it is even the way across, it's gonna give you a better airflow in your smoker, which is going to actually uh, give you a better cook time and a better, cook result because it's going to be a more consistent cook. So I find that if you have that brisket that has the evenness, um, uh, evenness all the way through, you will find that it's, it's a much better result than um, if it's, you get that, you do find briskets and I, even the briskets that I get occasionally, um, that there'll be one in the box that will have an absolute massive point and it can be 150, I've seen points up to nearly 200 mil thick. Uh, and then the, the flat go down and taper down to as little as less than 10 mil, which is just completely worthless and you're just not going to get a very good end result and product out of that. Um, the other thing yeah. that you need to look for is, is that hard fat. You don't want a brisket that has excessive hard fat because that hard fat isn't going to render down. That hard fat is, is just basically gonna end up this massive blob of jelly that just, it's just not really pleasant to eat and not really enjoyable. Um, and that's why you take most of that down and you bring that down to, you, know, you listen to Aaron Franklin and he says to bring it down to quarter, quarter inch, which is sort of that six to seven mil thick. Um, I do, you don't actually have to get too pedantic with that. That's just the point that where the fat, that hard fat will actually start to render down at that thickness. So you get it down. If you come too close to the meat, just bring your knife back out a little bit. And then just when, you, when you're trimming, you, you angle your knife up and you work away from your body. And you just do small process, small pieces. Um, until the desired thickness and you get a consistent um, shape of the brisket all the way over. You try to flatten it out as much as you can. So when the airflow goes over it, it's, it's a nice even and you're not getting pockets that are less cooked than others. So you're going to get that consistency all the way through. Yeah, that makes, um, that's actually interesting because um I was going to buy a brisket from a local butcher here. There's a local wholesale butcher here that um, has, has has pretty good meat that I've bought a few bits from some lamb off him and stuff before, and it's pretty good. Um, and he does have briskets, but from what I've seen online, most of the time you do see briskets with with a thinner uh, a thinner flat and then quite a chunky point. And not knowing any better, I just assumed that you know this is what it, this is what a real good, this is what it should look like. And the ones that he had were quite more consistent. Um, but they were on the thinner side. So I kind of wasn't sure how they would go. So I ended up going with the, um, with the Costco one, but um, I wasn't sure how, if that was good or bad, having it even all the way where you wanted that thicker point. 
So the one, the one person or the one company that I find has the, the, best, the best brisket and the most consistent brisket is Rangers Valley Black Onyx. Now you're going to pay for it and I'm telling you you're going to pay for it because you're looking anywhere from 17 to $20 a kilo depending on where you go. Um, and these briskets are big, yeah. They're, 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 seven, they're seven to nine kilos a brisket and they're long. So they're, they're, when I say they're long, they're 55 to 65 centimetres long and they're wide. They're probably 35 to 40 centimetres wide. Um, and the thickness is a very consistent 175 to 125 mil all the way across. So you get beautiful, yeah, wow. beautiful slices off it, especially from the flat. Um, and the the point is that just every brisket that you get is is a, is, a, is an eight and a nine out of ten for the way that it's been packaged and the way I, I've got guys that do wholesale cater that do catering that I do a little bit of wholesaling to, and they absolutely love the Black Onyx brisket. They will rather pay an extra three, four dollars a kilo just to get the black onyx brisket because one, it's a wagyu cross. Two, the consistency is the same time and time again. They might buy 10, 15 briskets off me, and every brisket is going to cook exactly the same. So they're going to find that it's a, a better, it's a better brisket for them, and it's a better way to 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 cook for large volumes of people. Um, and for anybody that's cooking barbecue, consistency is the key. If you can find a piece of meat, you buy one today, you buy one in a month's time, and you buy one in a year's time, that those three briskets are within 70% of each other for the quality, the, 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 the way they're cut, the shape, the marble, the marble consistency, those are all key factors that are really going to make a big difference um, to, to the way that the finished product comes out. And it's, and it's um, if, if you find those key factors, the shape, the, the marble score, and the, the consistency in all of that, uh, you will find that you will have better results as well as a barbecue like. As, a, as you become a better pit master, you will you will find that you can actually get really good results with with using really consistent, good quality products than just going out and finding. I'm not going to name brands, but there are brands out there that will consistently have uh, a three four inch or a hundred mil uh, point and a, a, a ten twenty mil flat. They're just no good. They're just they're no good. They're not for you. They're not user friendly, especially for guys that are learning to barbecue. They're just not user friendly, and there's no there's no benefit for anybody that that's cooking a brisket that looks like that. So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, um, what else have we got, mate? What what's so? Where's your where's your cookout at the moment, mate? So you what walk everybody through what you've done. So. You've prepped your brisket. What what rubs did you use? Um, so the rub I used, so yeah, prepped it this morning. It's about a 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. start to get the brisket on at 4, hoping for a good 12-hour cook with some good resting time. 
um, trimmed up as mentioned before. I actually used the rub that I bought. I normally use the uh, championship that you were, um, you're always endorsing because I use it on, uh, that was one of the first ones I bought on some chicken wings and that was just ridiculously good. So that's what I normally use, but I ran out and I bought some stuff from uh, meat stock here in Sydney uh, from uh, Elk Creek barbecue. Oh yeah. Um, and they've got a, a limited edition called hog knuckle honey chipotle. Um, oh, that's interesting. And it's, and it's, I did. I did the same. I used this on some chicken wings the other day, and it was it was ridiculous. So um, I thought I'd give it a crack, and um, mm. hopefully it's not too overcomplicated because there's quite a few spices in there. But it's a really nice, um, very similar to the championship rub. Very very similar. Mm, that's good. Um, yeah, very good. So I've got that on there. And I put a little bit. There was not. There's not much pepper in there, so I put a little bit of extra pepper on it. Um, just to give the give that kick on the pepper. So, mm. um, so that's how it's prepped. Um, and then the next big question, which come up, which was took me a couple of days to make a decision and then talking to yourself um last night um sort of solved it for me was um to cook it fat up or fat down um mm. a lot of different information online um i'm cooking mm. with the just the aldi slash hark two-door uh, gas smoker um so um i think we uh, the determination was we we cook it fat side down so maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit yeah so um the, the reasoning behind it and i've just had one of my customers morning I had the same discussion with him um, so everybody talks about fat side up so the the fat absorbs into the meat well um, it, it won't absorb into the meat because why do you end up with a pile at the bottom of your smoker if it absorbs into the meat where's where's the logic in that it doesn't work so basically um, you can utilize the fat to protect the meat by by cooking it fat side up, especially in a cabinet smoker like the the two door. You'll find that cooking it fat side down will uh, really protect the meat from drying out because, especially with gas, it's a dry heat. It will dry out um, the meat more quickly so you need to have a water pan in there um, and you can put whatever you want in that water pan whether it be beef stock or apple juice or whatever it might be beer stout beer sherry bourbon if you if you're that way inclined and you've got that much money just to waste you want to put bourbon in a in a water pan and then have it hopefully absorb into it i don't know how much it would actually absorb but um anyway so um Cooking it fat side down is going to actually protect it. So um, the fat will will act as a barrier or a diffuser. So um, a lot of Kamado type grills will actually have charcoal at the bottom and then what they call a diffuser plate or a deflector plate underneath it. Um, and then that allows the the air to come up the side of the smoker and cause like a spiraling effect into the middle and then the the chip the the chimney or the the smokestack at the top allows it to uh to go out now by using a fat cap down um the the meat what the smoke won't actually penetrate the fat cap so it acts as a diffuser and it spreads the the smoke out the side of the 
smoker and it then creates like a, a spiraling tumbling effect up the smoker and then as it's drawn out. So it's, it's sucking the, the hot air is rising and it's coming up. It's, it's hitting your water pan and you, you know, it's hitting your, firstly it's hitting your, your wood chunks or your wood chips. Then it's hitting your water pan. Then it's hitting your fat cap. Um, and that is then coming up and then going around the outside of your meat in a spiraling effect, allowing the outside of the meat to capture the smoke and the hot air, which then cooks the meat. Um, so, so that's that's the way I can explain it best. Um, the, I'm sure there is a... Um, there's... Meathead from AmazingRibs.com, uh, probably the the number one barbecue website in the world for barbecue information. He does a lot of scientific uh, testing on on different things, and I'm I'm positive that he has a, a a logical explanation in there why fat cap down is better, especially with brisket and pork butt, um, and using that as a protector. Um, the only the only instance that that is different is when the meat has a bone in it, like a rib, uh, and you would cook it bone side down rather than the, the fat side down. So that um, cooking it fat side down, um, it's harder to get a bark on the fat as well. Um, if you look at Instagram videos or YouTube videos of when they go to slice fat side up, um, the bark doesn't stick. The bark falls apart and they lose that bark on the top. That's the idea of trimming the back of the brisket that's got, or the actual, the inside of the brisket, which is where the stomach lining is, or between the, the muscles. You trim that down, you put your mustard on, then you put your rub on, and that will actually give you a better, a better bark, and it will, it will maintain a better bark. You won't lose that bark when you're slicing it, so. Oh, that's really good. That's interesting. One, uh, something I was thinking of, I've got a million questions, but something I'm thinking, I was thinking about asking you was, you know, there's a lot of people in my position where they, you know, they're trying something for the first time in brisket or another bit of meat or whatever. And there is a lot of information out there where you talk to people on Facebook or you go to YouTube or Google or whatever, and, you know, everyone has their own different way. What are some things, because you, you mentioned, you know, like using a water pan and there's, there's, there's topics as, as, you know, using a water pan, not using a water pan and wrapping, don't wrapping and all that sort of stuff. In your opinion and experience, what are some points that people probably put too much emphasis on and stress out a bit? Like example, um, you know, letting your water pan run out of water and then like, you know, you notice it's run out of water. So you top it back up again and things like that. Like, you know, you sort of stress so yourself out thinking that something's going to cause a big problem in your food when really it's like no big deal, you know, you just fix, you know, fix it up or whatever and it's going to be fine. What is it, what's some stuff that people, including myself, because I stress myself out all the time with this stuff, thinking you're going to ruin it, but that you just sort of things that, you know, aren't a bigger deal as you probably make out. So because of competition barbecue, people complicate things way too much than what they need to. And I mean way too much. Like there's, there's techniques in injection, jacarding, uh, you probably haven't even heard of what a jacquard is, but um, no. there's there's so many different things like um, 
injecting is a big thing and for me i think is actually a, a really big myth um and can actually do more damage to the meat than good if it's done incorrectly um the reason it's used in barbecue competition is if they've got one beat one they've got one bite to get that judge's attention and that that really needs to that one bite needs to blow the judge away or else they've just wasted two and a half three thousand dollars on that competition for the weekend so you don't need to do that you just need to blow away your friends and family and you need to cook consistent consistently really good barbecue so to do that um first of all you need good rubs you need good quality consistent rubs and i think you need rubs that are going to complement the meat rather than take away from the meat. So you don't want a, uh, a rub that's too spicy or too sweet or too peppery or too, too bland that you don't actually taste it. Um, you want a, a rub that's going to complement whatever you're cooking. So the meat is the champion. Um, uh, a good example of that is, is um, people think that chicken wings have have got to be spicy. You've got to have spicy chicken wings. Where I'm a person that I can't stand spice. I can't. I physically, I can't stand to have a lot of heat. And I, when I cook, I don't. A lot of people enjoy that. But if you're if you're cooking, and you're cooking for 10, 15, 20 people. There's no way that you're going to please everybody. If you cater to the majority, if if you're cooking for a, a family of 10, 15 for you got you your daughter's birthday or your granddaughter's birthday or whatever it might be, or grandson's birthday or whatever, um, and you've got 15, 20 people there, the last thing you want to do is have food that's inedible because it's too salty, too spicy, too smoky or whatever it is, you want it to be that balance and you want people to bite into it and go, holy crap, this is amazing. I've never tasted anything this good in my life. And that's what we all attain. That's what we all um, are targeting for is, is, is for that. The, the, the first way to do that is with rubs. Um, I find, and that's why I bang on, so you, you talk about Chris Marks's rubs, Three Little Pigs. I, I, they are the most consistently complementary rubs that I have found on the market and I've tried 20, 30 different rubs. I've got a cupboard full of rubs that I've used once because I've, I've cooked I've cooked a $150 brisket and I've ruined a brisket because I can't stand the flavour in it. And I've and I've like I've sworn to myself, I'm never going to try this rub again and I'll I'll try it on a bit of steak and then I then ruin a $30 steak because I, I just don't enjoy the flavour of it. Um, and I find it really hard to be passionate about something that I don't believe in, um, where something like Chris's Marks rubs, um, no, they're not for everybody, but for the majority of people. And that's what, when you're cooking barbecue, you're aiming for the majority of people. The majority of people are going to be extremely happy with eating Chris Marks's rubs on a brisket or on a pork butt or on ribs or whatever it might be. And it's proven that it's really good because he's won competitions with it 
and you don't win competitions by having a mediator, mediocre product. Um, probably the next thing um, is, is the smoke. Um, people think that you've probably the biggest myth with, uh, with barbecue is, is you've got to have a, a thick smoke the whole 10, 12 hours of the cook. One, meat only absorbs smoke for four hours maximum. Three and a half to four hours. It will not take on any more flavour or smoke after that point. Two, you do not want thick white smoke. Thick white smoke will create a bitterness in the in the meat and will be very unpleasant. Um, a lot of females, uh, my wife as well, I've cooked when I first started, I cooked her some chicken. I thought, oh yeah, this is good. I'm gonna get this smoke happening. Put some wood chunks in there, uh, wood chips in there, wood chips burn out, put some more in there, put burn out, put some more in there. Done that for two hours. It was so bitter she couldn't stand to taste it. I had a bite, I threw it in the bin. It wasn't even suitable for the dog. Couldn't even give it to the dog, it was that ghastly. Um, that's, that's probably the, the next big thing is the smoke. You want uh, a transparent smoke. Um, so you're basically getting hot air with a hint of smoke rather than getting smoke that you'd see from a bushfire where they're dousing water onto it with that thick, white, putrid, strong smell. You don't want that. You want, they call it, a lot of people call it a sweet smoke or a, or a sweet smell. You can just, it's just a hint. It's, a, it's the charcoal with just a hint of smoke. And uh, it's a really pleasant aroma when you get it perfect. And um, you, you look at it, you should be able to take a photo of it and see either the, the heat curls coming out of the smoker or a thin blue smoke. And that is the optimal smoke for, uh, for it. Um, the next one would be, uh, you mentioned water pans. Um, not every smoker requires a water pan. Um, if you are going to use gas or propane smokers, if you're in America, a gas smoker creates a dry heat. Um, and I can't stress enough that this will absorb all of the moisture out of your meat and turn it into a brick. Um, if you don't put um, moisture in there to create a steam bath, um, Myron Mixon, his smokers are basically what they call a water smoker. Uh, and they are basically charcoal with a water bath underneath it. And then, uh, and depending on the size of the smoker, they run a rotisserie as well. Um, but all of his smokers are a water smoker. And that just shows the importance of even with using uh, a wood or a charcoal smoker, um, keeping the moisture in the meat by adding uh, a steam bath underneath it, whether it be by means of a foil tray or a water pan or something significant underneath it, it's going to help it a lot to, um, to really cook and to create an amazing finished product. So um, what else do we need to know, mate? Um, um, 
I suppose on you could probably tie into that last bit about the um, water pan and keeping the moisture in there and things like that. Obviously, a lot of people like to wrap and a lot of people don't like to wrap um, the, the briskets at a, at a certain point. Um, we discussed about putting it, putting it instead of wrapping, putting it in a, uh, a tray with a little bit of stock in there. And um, so why, why do you do what you do? Okay, so I learnt from a couple of different sources. So uh, I read Aaron Franklin's book when I first started, which was an amazing read. And anybody starting out um, in barbecue should really read the story behind Aaron Franklin and the way he cooks the way he does and where he is. Um, it's absolutely amazing and I highly recommend it to anyone. Um, now he done a YouTube video. He cooked three briskets, three different ways. The first one was wrapped with aluminium foil. The second was wrapped in pink butcher's paper. And the third one was, was, um, was not wrapped at all. And he, 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 re <laughs> I'll, I'll use his words because I don't want to get into trouble. It's, it's like uh, three, three different types of women. One's, <laughs> the, the, the foil is like, um, is like your mother. It's, it's like a warm hug. You know that everything's going to be all right. You're going to retain the moisture. You're going to get a, a really good end result and it, it's going to be, um, it's, it's going to be really, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really good. The next one is is um, is your is your wife, which is the which is the pink butcher's paper, which is um, this is these are his words, mind you, and I, I hope I'm not taking them out of context. But your wife, it, it's there to support you day in and day out. You get really good result, really good results. Uh, it retains the moisture. Get you get you can get with pink butcher's paper. You can get bark. Um, but you need to be really careful with the way that you cook with it. And the final way is, is, is like your, your, your crazy girlfriend from when you're 18. She's, she's as gorgeous as anything. She's, uh, she's juicy. She's wet. She's, she's just absolutely everything you dreams of. And uh, like I say, these are Aaron Franklin's. Uh, I think it was Aaron Franklin and Steve Raikland done this video on uh, the three briskets and they sliced them. And it's amazing at, at how the three briskets turned out. Uh, and you need to take into consideration uh, the, the cooking time that you have, the type of brisket you have, and the type of smoker you have. Take those three into consideration and you will, you will choose a, uh, a, a scenario that Will, will be suitable for your needs. If you're time poor and you want really good results, I would wrap it. I would wrap it in either pink butcher's paper or I'd wrap it in aluminium foil. The techniques for that, we'll, we'll do another chat, Matt, specifically on wrapping and techniques for wrapping at a later date. But um, in the meantime, find that video on Aaron Franklin um, on whether to wrap or not to wrap. Uh, and it's called the Texas Crutch for a reason. Um, and Aaron Franklin discusses that in his video. 
Um, and that is a really good source of information on wrapping. And I learned a hell of a lot um, in my classes. I choose not to wrap unless, and this is the only, the only time I wrap now is when I'm running short on time. I make sure that I allow a 10 to 12 hour window minimum for any pulled pork or pork butt or any brisket that I'm cooking. And that is purely to allow enough time so I don't have to wrap it so I don't lose that bark. And I, there's so much flavour in that bark between the caramelisation of the rub and the, the juiciness. Once that bark forms on the outside, it's going to capture the juices on the inside um, and that's going to retain the moisture. So you want to create that bark as much as you can. And that's why the sugar content in the rub and that's why Chris Marks's rub works so well going back to that rub point is, is the rubs we use have a high sugar content in it for a reason. It's for the caramelization of the bark to create that sweet bark on the outside, you bite into it and you're just getting this amazing flavor. And as it goes through your mouth, you're actually getting these different flavors and textures that is just absolutely amazing. And you're getting the beef flavor, you're getting the, the sweet and the salty, and you're getting the burnt flavor of the bark and the smoke. My mouth's watering, I can't even talk properly. Um, <laughs> and it, it's just absolutely a, a, amazing. When you get it right, you'll know it because you'll be able, you'll go, that's what Paul was talking about. That's, I've got it, that's, that's awesome. So, and I, I really hope that you get that, get that feeling this afternoon, mate, when you, when you slice up tonight, you get to taste taste that barbecue and go oh this is just amazing absolutely well that's what that's what that's what i'm hoping for i'm hoping for that it's looking pretty good so far so uh yeah i was just gonna say i've just checked the temperature again on because i've got the app on my phone with the, with the thermometers in there and um the the temperature is just starting to slowly creep up now it's got to hit 170 so yeah um starting to slowly creep out now where we are Eight hours in. Okay. Almost eight, almost eight hours in, and it's just starting to creep out. Is that slowly creep up? So, so what you can do, um, there's a couple of ways you can rest it once it's done, and that's probably the next important thing is is you need to rest it. You need to. So when you create your timeline for when you cook, you need to allow enough time to rest. You need to allow 45 minutes to an hour to rest, and that basically relaxes the muscle. Um, you do also need to realise that the meat can continue to cook because it's gonna have its enough own residual temperature. And I found this last week that um, I put a lot of meat into the, into the esky. I have a Technice esky that I use for resting my meat because it's thick, it's, it's probably, um, uh, in its thickest part, it's probably 50 mil thick uh, and the lid's probably 10 mil thick, um, 100 mil thick. Um, and I can keep meat warming that four to five hours quite easily. Um, and I find that by having it in that, it's a big esky, 
what I do is I put a foil tray in the bottom, put the meat in the foil tray, and then I wrap aluminium foil over the top of it. I try not to let the, the foil touch the meat, and then I will lay a towel over the top of it. That will retain the moisture in, in, the, in the meat. Um, it will retain the heat in the esky um, and we'll keep it warm, ready for you. I, I reckon you're going to be eating a lot earlier than six and seven o'clock tonight, mate, because it's going to be ready. I reckon you're going to be picking pieces off it at about five o'clock. You're not going to be. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's my problem. I don't, I don't think they get people getting here that early. So I've got to be uh, <laughs> a, bit a bit disciplined, I think. Uh, how many people you got so, coming? Uh, there's not many. It's, I think there's only six of us, six adults and a couple of kids. Um, oh, mate, I reckon you could give them half a brisket and you could eat half, half before they even come and you'll be right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> hey, just, just quickly, just before I suppose we wrap up, um, just to just um, ask you a quick question on that wrapping at the end, the resting. So you don't um, wrap the whole, you don't actually wrap the brisket itself in the foil and then stick it in. You actually just like sort of lightly cover it, like put it in the tray and then cover it with foil, but you don't actually wrap the brisket itself. Yeah, so I find that you risk ruining the bark by wrapping it directly in foil. So I used to wrap it directly in foil. Um, and I found that the bark would rub off or it would dislodge and you would lose it when you opened it back up. Um, the technique I described by putting it in a foil pan and, or a tray and then putting it over the top is called tenting. Um, you can actually do it. <clears throat> you can actually do it so it, um, it is loose on top, so you don't actually, especially when you're only cooking one piece, you can just loosely put it over the top and then close the lid. I cannot stress enough that you do not go to check on the meat until you're ready to slice it. Just leave it in there, put it away, keep it out of the wind, keep it out of the cold, and just bring it inside, keep it warm, and just put another blanket over the esky if you really want to. Keep, keep that warmth in there as much as you can. The better quality the Esky, the, the better. Um, there are specific brands like Yeti um, and uh, Pelican uh, are, are American brands that are absolutely phenomenal in holding. Uh, both of those do uh, military grade um, coolers and are absolutely phenomenal. Competition teams use them because they are so good at retaining the the heat in there uh before they slice slice up so um yeah and, and they they keep it in there and it, it's just absolutely phenomenal um and it allows it to rest and relax and yeah so um oh that's great and that, that keeps that there so um Thank you so much for your time, mate. It's been great to have a bit of a chat to you. Um, we'll do it again soon. I think the next time we're going to talk, we're going to um, we're going to talk about some uh, some beef ribs. And um, everybody loves beef ribs, but um, I've got some really cool stuff that I'm working on, and I'd love to share with you coming up over the next couple of episodes. Um, so we're going to Matt and I are going to continue to to chat over the coming weeks uh, and hopefully months and. Uh, Matt's going to talk about his barbecue journey and I'm going to help him along the way. He's 
is basically going to get some uh, some one-on-one advice from me and uh, we're going to share it with you guys in the podcast. Um, check out my website, thebarbecueguide.com.au, ship Australia-wide, um, everything from smokers to rub sources, accessories, and of course, grill grates, uh, the largest range of grill grates in Australia, uh, exclusively available from thebarbecueguide.com.au, and that is myself, Paul Magney. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Matt. Um, I hope you've learnt lots and everybody else. Um, I will uh, talk to you all soon. Thank you so much. And I will uh, talk to you next time. Happy barbecuing. Thanks very much, Paul. Appreciate all the advice and your time. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Bye-bye.